Soul Binge Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited for today's episode, man. It is going to be a fun one. Um, I want to tell you, kind of stepping right into this episode, that today's content for you uh, is going to be pretty centered around the creation of the universe, um, how it all came to be, some explanation to maybe give more insight for not just someone who's doubting, but for someone who believes in this whole idea that Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what he says he did. Um, It has been a goal of mine throughout the course of this podcast to keep things pretty even and on a level playing field um, between those of us listening that are believers in Jesus and those that maybe are not believers in Jesus, because at the end of the day, growth and development is where we should all be keeping our focus. And I wanted to be very clear going forward and up front that these uh, bits of, uh, you know, these thoughts and these bits of information that I wanted to share with you for today's episode will be pretty, uh, you know, focused around around the fact that I truly do believe that God did create the heavens and the earth, like the Bible says. I am a Bibleist Christian, <laughs> if you could say that. And for anyone out there that you know wants to kind of stick around for today's episode to dive deeply with me on this concept of kind of, you know, how it all happened. And obviously we won't be able to explain even in one full podcast, much less one singular episode, all the vast depths of what it means to point to a creator when looking at a creation. I think that there's a lot that can be said, and it's definitely one of my favorite topics. So I'm going to tackle a portion of it today, and maybe there'll be a part two in the future. Um, I'm not too sure. I'm sure there's plenty of information to share and talk about when it comes to this. But to address what I normally address later in the episode, which is how does this apply to your soul, I'll say something now about that going right into it. Uh, Quite simply put, if your soul is longing and looking for something, and you are looking for fulfillment, you're looking for... I said that so funny. Looking for fulfillment. If you're looking for fulfillment, and you're looking to sort of complete this journey one day that you're on. We all know that the journey is not always the destination. It's sometimes in the way that you get there, but we are trying to get there. And what the there ultimately is for me and my soul, and I would hope it would be the same for yours too, is to reconcile the question of how we got here and what our purpose is in life. And does it stop once life is over? We want to, for today's episode at least, binge on the concept and the question of Uh, The first one there, how did we get here? Later we can uh, address, maybe throughout the course of the episode even, uh, slowly and leisurely, uh, shout out to Connor if he's listening, Uh, you know, take on the other questions that were asked there. What's our purpose in life and does life continue after life stops on earth? Uh, But to answer some of the questions on how we got here, I, I wanted to tackle this and do so with a very strong 
Christian Bible, you could almost call it bias, but definitely a strong Christian belief and angle coming at it like this. I know I don't have to preface myself so heavily like I am doing now. I'm not scared of offending anybody. I'm pretty sure anyone that's listening to this podcast knows by now that on this show we do believe in Jesus. Um, But even for the person that does not believe a single thing in what I'm saying today, it would be very good and uh, very conducive for you and your belief system to at least hear us out, and maybe we could even develop a conversation um, by the time this is all said and done. That would be an amazing thing to accomplish. If you like this show, if you like what Soul Binge has brought to you content-wise and information-wise and encouragement-wise, please leave a review on Apple, Spotify, comment on an Instagram or a Facebook post. If you see them out there, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Soul Binge Podcast on Instagram. And I believe it's just, yeah, it's just at Soul Binge for Twitter. You can find us on Facebook as well. And however you're listening to your podcast, if there's a review option, it's a real great way to boost the um, potential listenership that would follow from that. It's it's a great thing to do this. It's been great for me. And I just want to share this conf- uh, content and encouragement with anyone that's willing to listen. So without any further ado, let's dive into today's episode that I am calling Flexes and Flexes. <clears throat> Another preface that I should get completely and totally out of the way is that I am not a science major. I'm not a Christian science major. I am not a creationist doctrine major of any sort, but I do know what I know and I know what I believe in. And I also know that I don't know that much. Um, Even in preparing for this episode, you know, we kind of get to that place sort of naturally where we have to reconcile the fact that, man, this is a, this is a deep thing. Like if you were to tackle the creation of the universe and whether or not the Bible is backed by what uh, ultimately science would say at the end of the day, it's it's an intense thing and you eventually get to that realization like, wow, this goes so much deeper than just me. And it puts it in a really interesting perspective because you can either feel inadequate and insignificant or you can realize that in the mix of all of this stuff that we're experiencing today called life, not just in light of the 2020 season that we have been in now for the past 71 years, it seems, but just quite simply the fact that you get to be a part of it. It's it's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. And I want to express in this moment my appreciation to God because I know he's listening. Um, yes, God is a listener of Soul Bench <laughs> in a way, kind of, if you think about it. Um, I want to express my gratitude for even getting a chance to be a part of this. I've heard people say before, like, you know, the fact that we get to be and the act of just being is in itself a trip almost you could say like if you were to use that terminology you can i won't be mad at you um it's it's an amazing thing just to be right and to have an opportunity to be here yes i feel insignificant and inadequate whatever i look at the vast scheme of all of what's going on the bigger picture right but Truly, truly, it is an incredible gift to live this life, and I hope that regardless of your religious beliefs uh, or the practices that you use in life, that you would at least get that out of this episode, that life truly is a gift, and it really does matter what you do with it. In order for it to matter what you do with it, and in order to answer the question of whether or not the ending matters as well, we have to first uh, understand whether or not the beginning matters. 
Okay, you could take our Bible verse for today and just simply put it at, at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and it was void. Darkness fell on the face, on the face of the deep. Not the face, but the face. You could talk about all of that, the descriptive nature of when God was God before the earth was the earth. And you could talk about that for quite a while. And we're going to hit some of that here in just a little bit. But you could also find other verses in the Bible. We're going to do the verse portion kind of early. You can find other verses in the Bible, like for example in Colossians 1.17, it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Psalms 104 and 5. He set the earth on its foundation, so that it should never be moved. Proverbs 14 and 15 says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Hebrews 3 and 4 says, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. And Isaiah 40 and 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? A lot of thought can be pulled just from those few verses, but they all ultimately point to one major idea, that God truly is who he says he is. The Bible supports itself. The Bible does not contradict itself. There are areas in scripture where you can say, yeah, just a random person wrote that. And then you can look at another random person who randomly wrote something like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, and they're saying the same thing, okay? The, the kind of big punch, or really what I would like to call for this episode, the big flex on God's part that we're going to hit at the end, we'll sort of allude a little bit to that right now, but the fact that all these people said the same thing really does matter, and the fact that we right now are saying it too matters, and we're in this moment together where we're hearing once again about what has been talked about since the beginning, which is that there was a beginning, and then, therefore, there was a beginner, like the one who would begin things. You look at creation, and you have to reconcile that there is a creator. At some point, you have to get to that place. Like I said at the start of this episode, we're going to hit a lot of very um, confident beliefs that I have in this whole conversation. Um, not necessarily to persuade you, but to build a case around the simple notion that God truly is who he says he is and he did what he said he did. Um, when we're looking at the issues of, of science, when we're looking at the issues of science and quite simply the fact that there is maybe a lot to be said in today's school system and today's uh, process of learning that would ultimately contradict some of what we're talking about now, um, you know, when we look at that and we have to reconcile with that, what that really means, at some point you have to realize that if something contradicts itself, one of them is either true or the other is true or neither are true. And I I can't completely and fully and totally say 100% that something that doesn't exist is a false idea. You can't prove away something that doesn't exist is what I really mean. So when someone brings up the Big Bang, for example, I don't really give much focus on that because, number one, it's the Big Bang Theory. It's an idea. It's an expressive way to justify the process of something. And 
I point to that and I go, okay, cool, that's perfectly fine. Well, what blew up the nothing that was there in order to create everything? That's the first question I would normally ask. And it's hard enough to believe that absolutely nothing blew up and turned into everything. To me, that takes a whole lot more faith to really believe in that. But aside from that, what you have most of the time underneath that kind of rhetoric when it's spoken by other people it's oftentimes, and I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but it's oftentimes said in order to disagree with the original notion that has been going on for a long time, which is that God created everything. The Big Bang Theory almost to me comes across in today's society as a response to the claim that God created everything. If you were to talk about the Big Bang Theory because you knew that it happened, somehow you should know that, if you knew that it happened and you were to talk about it, and then someone comes to you and says, actually, my response to you is that God created everything. That's its own decent, worthy conversation to have, possibly, but it's it's not the it's not correct based off the timeline. I mean, there has not there was not at any point a scientific explanation given to just simply a theory that, by the way, no one was around to see it happen when it happened. Okay? If you want to know why it makes sense at that point and you want to counter that thought and you say, hey, how does it make sense that if God created the earth since no one was there to see it happen, then why did a bunch of men write it down? And therefore we have to believe it just because they wrote it down and called it the Bible. It's very simple. It's because the Bible proves itself also to be the inspired word of God. Yes, men and women were involved when it came to writing and producing the book you now know as the Bible. But the reason that it transcends time and the reason that it goes so much deeper than just the physical timeline that we're all in right now is simply because it truly it truly is inspired by the Spirit of God in order to communicate to all of us, again, that there was a Creator and that that's how there is a creation and that the creation was created because there was a plan and there has been a plan this whole time for your life and for mine. Um Christians uh, and scientists sometimes are at odds because of this, because we we try to say, you know, uh, here's my argumentative point to disprove your thought process. And then we do the same thing in the other direction, in the other direction. And I get it. Science, the whole kind of idea behind science is that you should come up with a hypothesis and then disprove it. And if you cannot disprove it, then it's scientifically factual. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I've said it before on this podcast, but I think that ultimately the the way to determine truth would be to take an experience plus information, put them together, and you have truth. If you tell me that if I do my thumb and my middle finger in a perfect motion against the palm of my hand that it will make a snapping sound, if you tell me that but I never do it myself, then all I have is information. Yet if I do this right here, but I don't know what that is and I don't ever find out what that was, then all I have is an experience with no information to back it up. But yet if I combine the two, I can say that that is a true statement and this is a true action of what's going on. I'm snapping my finger right now, right? And that's a very simplified way to look at it, but at the same time, it is meaningful when we're trying to understand truth that an experience plus that information would then ultimately equal the truth. And here's the kicker. A lot of people are walking around with information that they've never had an experience with. 
There's a lot of people walking around with information saying that the earth came from this, the world came from this, people came from that, and this means that, and blah, 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 blah. And there's no experience to be had alongside that information in order to prove it to be accurate. Okay? And that is why you get certain thoughts and ideas and and whatnot that come from people much smarter than myself. And I wanted to read one of them to you, and I will tell you that this is a little bit of a lengthy quote, but I have to read it because I'm telling you it is the best quote that I have found when it comes to dealing with Christian, uh, excuse me, when it comes to dealing with scientific atheism, which is really the idea that science is um, centered around the disproval of a god, right? And ultimately, you could, in most cases in today's world, quantify just regular science as being scientific atheism, whether it identifies itself that way or not. Um, You have certain things like quantum fluctuations that have been studied and taught throughout the course of several years in our science classes and, and in our science books. And you have all this stuff that's taking place, and it's a beautiful thing when we can learn about it and we can put the experiences and the information together to develop the truth. But there still is that overall question, whether a Big Bang or not, how did it all start? Okay, and I hope we can maybe try to crawl towards some type of an understanding and an answer for that question uh, by the end of all this. But before we do any of that... um, I wanted to read this quote to you. It's by an, uh, a man named David Berlinski. David Berlinski wrote a book called The Devil's Delusion. And it has a subtitle next to it. It's uh, The Devil's Delusion, Atheism and Its Scientific Pretensions. You should go check out this book. If you're into this kind of conversation that we're having, and hopefully I haven't lost anybody just yet, but if you're if you're into this kind of conversation and this topic, um, you, you should really go check out this book. This is a book written by an agnostic, someone who did not necessarily ascribe to any sort of belief in God necessarily, but didn't deny the possibilities of an existence uh, of such a God. And this is what an agnostic said whenever he was specifically looking at scientific atheism and breaking it down for really what it is. And he wrote literally the whole book, The Devil's Delusion, as a response to um, Charles Dawkins and his book called The God Delusion, which, of course, is a book that promotes scientific atheism and it promotes that, uh, that notion and idea that the claims of a God creating the universe are just not possible and not accurate. Um, I wished that Dawkins was as consistent as a lot of people that I know and as consistent as me and would at the very least venture out into the logic that says you can't disprove something that doesn't exist because you might say to yourself that there's no football in that backyard because I went out and looked for it and I didn't find one. When that's not the logical conclusion there. The logical conclusion is not to say that there simply is no football in the yard. The most that you can say is that if there is one, you haven't found it yet. Okay? If there is a football in the backyard, you have maybe just not found it yet. You cannot say that because you didn't find it that it simply does not exist unequivocally without question, without, you know, you, you get it. 
But David Berlinski said it like this, and again, it's a little long, a little bit long of a quote, but longer of a quote, but it's it's an amazing way to say it. And here it is. Has anyone provided proof of God's inexistence? Not even close. Has quantum cosmology explained the emergence of the universe or why it is here? Not even close. Have our sciences explained why our universe seems to be fine-tuned to allow for the existence of life? Not even close. Are scientists and biologists willing to believe in anything so long as it's not a religious thought? Close enough. Has rationalism and moral thought provided us with an understanding of what is good, what is right, and what is moral? Not close enough. Has secularism in the, uh, in the terrible 20th century been a force for good, not even close to being close? Is there a narrow and oppressive orthodoxy in the sciences? Or excuse me, in the sciences? Close enough. Does anything in the sciences or their philosophy justify the claim that religious belief is irrational, not even in the ballpark? Is scientific atheism a frivolous exercise in intellectual contempt, dead on. <laughs> oh man, I, the, like I wish there was enough time or battery on my computer to break down word for word what he is saying there. Please, please do yourself a favor and rewind this thing and go back and listen to that quote again, or look it up for yourself and just just soak on that. Uh, that that quote from David Berlinski. You can find it on the internet. David Berlinski, The Devil's Delusion, and it's the quote about scientific atheism and the fact that it is a frivolous exercise in intellectual contempt. It is a dead end from the beginning. Okay, To say that uh, science is strictly out to disprove God, especially if inherently that God just simply does not exist in the first place, that's a frivolous exercise because that is the same thing as me trying to walk around to every human being in the world that I'm not related to and to tell them that I am not related to a guy named Ferguson P. Smarty Pants or whatever. <laughs> that would be a, a silly thing to do, but that's what science does right now in our day and age, but it's been like that for a while and I think it's time for it to change. Um, I don't think one podcast episode about this idea of quantum fluctuations and godlike flexes uh, are, are, I don't think that that one episode is going to actually accomplish that necessarily on its own, but maybe it's worth a start, a starting point for some people out there that are questioning these things and talking about these things and wanting to know more insight and information. Okay, one last little bit for this episode, and I'm sure we will follow up with this conversation at another point in the future. Um, but my battery is actually getting kind of low. I started with over a thousand percent, and then after that quote, it went down to ten percent because it just couldn't take how epically dope that Berlinski quote truly is. Anyway, if you go to the internet after you're done looking up David Berlinski, you can type in WMAP. It is a satellite that you can pull up a Google image search for this satellite. Satellite? Satellite. You can look up a satellite. Is that like a Saturday, but not so intense? Is that, <laughs> is that not, <laughs> is that not, that's, that's like 
Saturday and then some. Is it not? Or is it Saturday night? Was I trying to say Saturday night? Like, because I don't want to say Saturday night. I've always been bothered by that, by the way, dude. I have always wanted to know, why do they say Saturday night, Monday night, Tuesday night? Why wouldn't it be Tuesday night? Come on, dude. That's crazy talk, man. It's not Thursday night. It's just Thursday night, bro. Man, our schedules wouldn't be so busy if we kept, you know, kept some of these ideas out of our heads. Yeah, it's Tuesday, day, 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 mid-morning, night, evening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That was ridiculous. Okay, here we go. Uh, WMAP, if you go and look a Google image search of WMAP, it is a satellite that you can pull up an image and you will find um, essentially where it would explain in a singular picture, which that's very hard to do to explain in a singular picture uh, what it's trying to explain, but it's explaining the concept, really, of quantum fluctuations. If you don't know anything about that, please still look up this image because it is a uh, blessing to see it. Um, and with some of the details that I'll share with you right now, it will make sense to even someone who knows nothing about science in this way and in, in the conversation of con uh, cosmic fluctuations and, and whatnot. So... Cosmic or quantum fluctuations, however you want to say it, the expansion of the universe is really what it's talking about, okay? And again, I'm not a science major necessarily, but I know what I know, and I want to talk about it. If you look at that map with me, you would see ultimately that there is a cone that explains and talks about, essentially, it shows a depiction of the expansion of the universe, at the far left point, you see where quantum fluctuation begins. And at the far right point, it actually cones outward in order to give, like I said, a depiction of the fact that the universe is still at a point of expanding as it moves forward in physical time. Okay, All of time and life and the movement of quantum fluctuations and cosmic expansion of the universe itself is held within the cone that you would see on this image once you look it up, WMAP, okay? For a long, long time, for a long, long time, scientists would look at this image or look at this kind of concept, rather, and they would assume that everything outside of the cone was a black hole, okay? But only about maybe 60 or 70 years ago, maybe less, did scientists start to change the way they were talking about black holes and they had to reconcile the fact that a black hole is still something, okay? The black holes that are in the universe are still a something and the movement and the ultimately expansion of those black holes, since it moves the same way as regular time, space, energy, slash matter, slash matter um, since it moves in the same type of way, it technically would have to be considered a part of the expansion of the universe overall, and therefore it sits inside of that same cone that you're looking at if you're looking at that image. So everything that is a something, including a black hole, would be held inside of this cone. Everything outside of this cone, then, is nothing. It's nothing, okay? Everything outside of the black hole is nothing, everything that's a something, or excuse me, not black hole, everything that's outside of this cone, this quantum fluctuation depiction that you see, 
would technically be everything outside of it is nothing. And then everything that's inside of it is something. It's the expansion of the universe. It's like I said, time, space, energy, slash matter, right? So then we have to look at the fact that at the far left point of this depiction on this map, you would see the beginning of quantum fluctuations. Now, if you were to call that the Big Bang or not, that is not my focus. That's not my point. I, I don't really think that that matters too much because I don't think that the Big Bang is a perfect explanation and a and explaining away of the existence of something greater than what we can contain inside of that cone itself. Uh, by the way, don't get too much of a headache when you're looking at it because you currently live inside that cone. And quite frankly, um, our finite minds are not capable of completely, totally understanding the nothingness that would be outside of the everythingness that's inside that cone, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so I told you it was going to be kind of a, an intense episode, but either way, um, if you were to look at it though, you would have to reconcile that something acted upon the beginning portion of that initial quantum fluctuation that began this whole process of the universe's ex uh, expanding, uh, of, of the universe ex and, its, um, and, 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 and its ability to expand, I guess, right? And for a long time, science was referring to the, I guess action upon the initial fluctuation they were calling that the laws of nature so science agreed as of about 50 60 70 years ago whatever time frame it was probably closer to 60 years they were in agreement and you can look all this up yourself that they could justify that something could come from nothing given that the laws of nature were at play. Okay, so the scientific expansion of the universe, the quantum fluctuation of the universe and everything like that, you can get something from nothing provided that the laws of nature are at play. What are the laws of nature? We have to realize that everything outside of the cone is nothing, yet something outside of the cone acted on the something that started the quantum fluctuation. Again, like I said, it's a big, big thing to wrap your mind around, but go with me here. Let's assume that there is that there is a portion of the nothing that could ultimately act upon what we now know as something and then start the process of whether it's the Big Bang or the creation of the universe, the way the Bible says it, or however you want to talk about that. Let's look at that nothingness that could act upon it, uh, the laws of nature that we're talking about. The laws of nature in this way, according to science... The laws of nature, they are not physical, but in fact, they can act on the physical. They can create from nothing, and they would have to predate the universe, and technically at that rate too, they would have to exist outside of time. This is what scientists have been saying for now the last 60 years. Not every single one of them, but a good handful has been talking about this for quite some time now, okay? And they're ultimately saying that the laws of nature are at play from the beginning of the universe. That's how the Big Bang would have happened, and then they leave it at that. And then they have to agree upon the fact that the laws of nature are not physical. Count them with me. Number one, are not physical. Number two, they can act on the physical. 
Number three, they can create something from nothing. And number three, it exists outside of time and therefore predates the universe. It predates the time frame that we now exist within. Okay, and here's what's interesting. If you look at that list again closely, it acts on the physical, yet it is not physical. It creates something out of nothing, and it exists outside of our framework of time. That's the biblical definition of God. God is not physical, yet he can act on the physical. Okay, he creates human life out of nothing. He creates something out of nothing. Okay, and he exists outside of our framework of time and he predates the universe. I am not saying that just that one argument alone should be enough to get you to go to your church this next Sunday, your local church this next Sunday, necessarily. But I, at the very least, would like to see someone take these ideas that even current scientists are talking about when it comes to understanding the process of how the quantum fluctuations and expansion of the universe that we now exist within, how could that have started? If it is a moving process and a moving function of time, space, matter, slash energy, you would need to reconcile that somewhere that time that you're talking about had a beginning. On the clock, zero, zero, colon, zero, one, and then it begins time begins. It all pops off and it all goes crazy, goes stupid. And here we are now because of that expansion that continues on, right? But how did it all start? Scientists agree. It starts when you can reconcile the fact that given that there are the laws of nature at play, you can create something out of nothing. And the laws of nature in this way would be described as being non-physical. They can act on the physical because clearly the physical began, the time, space, matter, slash energy, slash energy uh, uh, had a beginning point according to even this scientific map, which is, again, a satellite that would explain the expansion of the universe. And scientists agree that that all comes from a beginning point where at some point in the nothingness, a non-physical nothingness acted on what is now known as the something and the and the expansion of the universe and the quantum flux, fluctuation and the fluxing in and out and up and down that we now know uh, to describe as time, space, and matter slash energy. The universe that we know now. The observable universe and the non-observable universe. All of it, Right? Every single bit of it, even the black holes, they consider that inside this cone of time that we currently exist within. But the something that created it can act on the physical. That's how it got here. It is also non-physical because then if it was physical, you'd have to give that thing a creator. Boomtown. It creates something from nothing and it's existing outside of our framework of time. I know I'm repeating myself, but I want to make myself very clear. In the beginning... God created, most important two letters there is E-D, in the beginning, what does that mean, in the beginning of what, in the beginning of time, in the beginning of the quantum fluctuations and the expansion of the universe, all that stuff, life as we know it, the universe as we know it, 
all of it had a beginning. And in the beginning, God created it. It does not say that in the beginning of time, time began, 0001, 0002, time is moving, time is moving, time is moving, and then God creates. No, it says that he created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness fell upon the face of the deep. And it is a, a timeline of the existence that we now exist within that you can follow if you keep reading in Genesis chapter 1. What's amazing, though, on top of all of that, is that a lot of people would then start to ask the question that if all of that is true, what's my purpose in being here? Well, before we can ask that question, which we would probably need to ask on another episode, I want to firstly say this. Science has agreed that given the laws of nature, you can create something out of nothing, and the way it happens is that something that is not physical acts on the physical, okay? And that it predates the universe, it exists outside of our fluctuation of time and expansion that we currently live in. It creates something out of nothing, and that that's how it all began. That's where the starting point came, came from. Scientists have agreed on that. You and I hopefully can come to an agreement one day. I know I very heavily believe it, that that same description is given to God in the Bible whenever you read his word for what it is. In him dwells all things. He, he is the beginning of all things, and in him all things are held together. The Bible supports itself. Okay, The only other question that science needs to ask is this. Is the non-physical, which acted upon the now-physical to begin the process of quantum fluctuation and the expansion of the universe, is that same non-physical nothingness, or maybe if you look at it as being God, the non-physical creator of all of this now, even though we know that he was active in the creation of the universe because we can see the laws of nature were at place clearly because we're here, the question is this. Is that same active, non-physical being currently active in the world today? And I think and believe that the fact that you and I are having this conversation and that you're listening to this right now pretty much proves that point. <laughs> and I think that's the biggest flex of all time that God would create all of this and then live inside of it and move and act and breathe and live inside of the timeline he created, not for any other reason than to allow us to see that he is who he says he is and he did what he said he could do. If you can agree that that's where God sits in this whole storyline of existence, that he was the one that started all of it. And if you can come to any sort of conclusion there and, and realize within yourself even that maybe there is something greater than me and something bigger and, and more powerful beyond me and more um, more powerful and, and, just, and just more majestic than, than what's even held within, within this current 
section of time that I'm in right now or time altogether. If you can understand that that is real, then you have to ask the second question, what's my purpose here? And I think personally that at least my purpose here is to do everything I can to tell people what I know. That's what the podcast is for. That's why I do youth ministry at my church. That's why I have conversations with people and why I read and study and listen. And I'm telling you, there is still so much more that needs to be said and can be said even for this particular part of the conversation that we just simply don't have time for. If you've listened all the way up to this point, I greatly appreciate you doing so. But man, I'm telling you, there is... There is a vast depth of information that you can then apply to your experiences to develop truth. And the information that I'm giving you is that you were created by a God that loves you enough to give you this life so that he can live this life with you. And if you need an experience in order to prove that, start first by looking at your own existence. And then realize that that other question that science has yet to agree upon as to whether or not that active force law of nature that was there at the beginning, is it still active inside the timeline today? And if it was not, why would we be talking about it right here and right now? Fluxes and flexes, baby. God is a good God. If you don't agree with any of the stuff that we're talking about, please feel free to at least take the concept and the idea And question that the same way that I question what a lot of people tell me. And I know that for myself, it always goes back to understanding that God is who he says he is. And he did what he said he could do. And if that's the case, then maybe I am who he says I am. Anyway, I'm out of time for today. I love each and every one of you. I'm so grateful that you're listening in. Please share this episode and this podcast with someone that might be interested in having a conversation about this and understand ultimately that the whole point and goal for all of this is that our soul would grow and that our experience in the life that we're living right now would ultimately be developed so we can become who we were supposed to be all along. You don't have to believe in a God to understand that growth is important, but I do want to challenge anyone that's listening to this And to remind you and tell you with full confidence that I totally believe this is true, that you were created and therefore you were created on purpose and therefore you were created with a purpose. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys on the next one. Bye-bye.